We're looking here at the title of the sermon, the study tonight, Overcoming Impatience, Ephesians 4.2. If you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians 4, I'm going to read the first few verses. But then there's this clock, which, uh, you know, uh, 12 to around the clock. And at 4 o'clock, it says, wait. And at 6 o'clock, not yet. At 8 o'clock, soon. At 10 o'clock, getting there. I would think that among other uses of this, this could be a good a watch that if you could put into the hands of children as they're all packed into the minivan and are headed out to some long distance, that maybe they could just uh, let this be their timepiece and instructional piece. I don't know how this could work out in many situations, um, but it's all right, quite clever. I like that. All right, I want you to now turn with me. Does everyone have a handout? this evening. We're all ready to go. Thank you again for getting those distributed. All right, if you will turn with me to Ephesians in chapter 4, and I'm going to read the first few verses. And many places we could go to in the New Testament to pick up on this important matter of patience, and we're going to come in the back door overcoming impatience. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So let's get your, let's get your profession lined up with the possession. Okay, let's so uh, your profession get lined up with the way you're living. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I find it of special interest that sitting in the midst of this appeal for unity is the necessity of patience. Would not we all vote yes on that? And if you are just a little foggy on that relationship, I hope you will not be by the end of this study tonight. I was uh, I was going over these notes again yesterday, uh, and I was in the middle of the day, and I, I got the clever little idea that, and I was going to go out to uh, into traffic to run an errand, and I got the clever little idea. I thought it was, uh, well, hey, it's, it's still there, so it, it works pretty good. And this is with at least one shower um, that I would put a P right here on my thumb. I just wrote it in with a pen, and it's still there to remind me of patience. And so then I got in. I got in a truck, and I went down. I was going to the gym, the World's Gym, and at Banks Station. I don't know if you share some of my frustration with these um, these malls where you traffic is sort of like a potential demolition derby. And um, I was having to go through Bank Station. Well, now, uh, that's always been a little modest aggravation to me because everybody thinks they have the right-of-way there, you know. So you've really got to be looking around. I, I can tell you that there were, as I counted, and I was, my sensitivity to this was a bit heightened because I knew I was going to come here and do this tonight, that... Uh, I counted at least six different traffic situations which really tested my patience. Now, of course, I considered I was in the right on each of these situations, <laughs> which uh, I'm sure is not right. But, uh, uh, but 
even having the little letter P on my thumb, I got home and said, oh, there it is. I'd forgotten that I'd put it there to remind me to do a little better in traffic and when people are not paying attention and uh, so on. Ah, patience. Let me ask you a few questions. Do you experience inward pressure when your plans don't work out? Are projects more important to you than people? Do you buy things before you have the money to pay for them? Do those around you avoid you when you are going through a difficult situation? I'm scratching the surface with questions, but I hope this will be at least a conversation starter. I heard an interesting conversation on radio the other day, and the, um, the individual who was guiding the discussion for his radio audience ask, was presenting and asking for the different kinds of childlike behavior that have to be put away uh, for, in order to enter into adulthood. I would like to offer one of those um, in addition to such things as instant gratification, um, can't wait. Impatience is essentially childlike behavior. Think about it. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I can't wait. I want it now. Uh, So impatience is a mark of Immaturity, that we are called upon to put aside. Let's walk through it, and I will present four uh, truth steps through this. I will come to a conclusion. I've got some issues that I want to raise at the end, which I think essentially function as the baseline from which all of the, the problem, well, let me put it this way. The problem of impatience must be seen in the way that I'm going to show you at the very end, which makes it, ratchets it up to a most high level of seriousness. That this is not just one of something of social inconveniences. Yeah, I get impatient, so what's the big deal? Will you hold that question with me until the conclusion? And I'll show you what the big deal is. All right, let's start out. Follow along with me on these four steps of truth through the matter of impatience. First of all, let's get a definition. And since I'm dealing with this, let's get it. uh, Impatience is an unwillingness to wait on a desired outcome. The The impatient person refuses to accept delay. Impatience is often, or I have usually, but then I pencil in often, give a little wiggle room, often accompanied by anger, irritability, impulsiveness, rudeness, and verbal sins may be involved, sarcasm, cursing. I don't know, how do you handle yourself when you go on a buddy pass? And uh, that's a good test of patience. And there are flight delays. This wouldn't be just a buddy pass person, but anybody who's going to fly. How do you handle, 
How do you respond to ticket agents? I bet you there are probably some interesting stories represented here tonight that you have either participated in or witnessed. When you get into those rarefied moments when there are schedule conflicts and flights canceled or delayed, um, quite an opportunity to observe a laboratory uh, situations of impatience. But also, impatience Impatience expresses itself in degrees and with increasing sinful complications. Let me give you an example. I don't remember that I put this in. No, I didn't, so I'll back up on that. Let me show you how, what I mean here. I have about nine of these progressive states here. And then I'm going to ask you to give a grade with me. So just... Don't worry about writing this down. But let me, all right, but there are nine of these. Here's the way they would progress. First of all, not annoyed or agitated or hurt. We'd say, hey, I'm cool. <laughs> annoyed, but seek to handle the situation God's way. Woo, that's really good. <laughs> Watch it now. Annoyed and avoid or withdraw from people or responsibilities. Number four, annoyed but refuse to admit it. Five, annoyed and become bitter and seethe inside. Six, annoyed and say something critical or nasty. It's breaking out now. Seven, annoyed and want to return evil for evil. I'll show them. Eight. Annoyed and return, well, I said, well, I, my notes are confusing here. Oh, no. Seven says annoyed and want to return evil for evil. That verb's important there. Want to. Eight. Annoyed and return evil for evil. You're in the delivery business on that one. And now, now here's an example. When I'm working against a deadline and don't see how I can get my work done on time, I am, since you didn't write it down, you couldn't really do a thoughtful uh, grading, but it would be if we were talking about the problem of impatience on a personal level and you had this in front of you, how would you grade yourself? Zero to seven. Where would you be in that list? Where do you tend to go quickly? How do you function? Or, another example, when I'm in a hurry and others are not, I am, where are you on that list of zero to seven? What is, I, I guess, what the, the question, not I guess, the question is, what is your default mode? All the way from not annoyed, attached, agitated, or hurt, annoyed but seek to handle the situation God's way, all the way to annoyed and return evil for evil. We probably, of all of us here, <clears throat> have come in on one of those at some time or another. Let's just go quickly now to some examples from Scripture. There is the example of Saul. He's a prime candidate here for examining a decision that he made without consulting the Lord. You recall he got hasty, and he went ahead and wanted to take the role of a priest into his, um, in his own modus operandi to go ahead and he was told to wait, and he didn't wait on uh, Sam, um, um, didn't wait on, help me hear the name, 
Samuel. Samuel to, to show up when he said he was going to show up. And he got a severe discipline as a result of that. Saul disregarded God's guidance. But the end doesn't justify the means. He feared losing his men and didn't properly consider what God would have him to do. Let's take James and John, another example. Luke 9, 51 through 56. They viewed their rejection as opposing the work of God. They were willing to, unwilling to bear with the Samaritans because of their lack of hospitality. You remember the episode, James and John, Sons of Thunder, and they come to the town and it said no vacancy, and they knew good and well that there could have been some accommodation. But their impatience flashed out like a volcanic eruption. They wanted to hurt those who hurt them. They wanted to make others adjust to them. And there was the insistence that people changed instantaneously. That's what was going on. Let's give another example. Martha, Luke 10, a famous example. Mary, Martha, you remember the story. Jesus is teaching and Mary is sitting there hanging on every word and Martha is as busy as she can be trying to get food and everything ready, working in the kitchen. And she was unwilling, though, to bear with Mary's lack of preparation. What happens? Mary, she condemned Mary for her failure. She was rigid She was inflexible, Martha. She thought the worst of Mary's apparent lack of help. This is the way impatient functions, impatience functions. I'm probably not going to have to work extra hard here to convince you what impatience looks like and is because we have all indulged in it and we're all inclined to it in some degree or another and in some situation depending on your temperament. Uh, as I'll show you, there are different ways in which we can express impatience. Let's go to the second truth step through this matter of impatience. Impatience will not win a character beauty contest. I'm telling you, it's ugly. It really is. It is selfishness. It's a refusal to consider the needs of others before my own. It's putting oneself before others. Philippians 2 and 1 and following where it says you need to take into consideration the needs of others before you get, get out there seeking to take care of yourself. It's a problem of pride. It limits my ability to minister to others. That impatience of you know, you get, in, get impatient with a waitress or a waiter or in a public place, and you don't like the way in which you may think that the clerk at the checkout counter at Publix is spending too much time uh, chatting it up with somebody, and you need to get things moving, and you make a remark. And then you want to show up and smile and try to change the situation. You can, but you're going to have to work at it. It limits our ministry, as does anger, complaints. We have to think how they should be delivered, what we should do, how we should communicate them. 
It also, it's a refusal to give others what I expect from them. The golden rule. You want somebody to be patient with you. Well, will you be patient with them? It creates relational brush fires, which will require additional time and attention. I, I, I gave one kind of uh, example in the bulletin. If you read the blurb this morning, I'll give you another one. Uh, here, something like this. Here's a couple. They're going out for the evening. And the wife is late getting ready. I say, Valentine. Well, that's really ratcheted up. We're going to have a big evening. And to get to the restaurant, and some of us like to get there before 6, you know, 5 o'clock. Okay, that's even, that's really good. 5.30, but anyway, to get there. Um, so things get slowed down. And men should understand. It's going to take a woman long. And this is not being critical here. So don't don't get. Uh, cocky guys it's going to take a woman longer to get ready she has things to do that's just the difference that's not an inferiority issue not at all okay you know that all right so it happens and so then he he's impatient he says something sarcastic she gets mad They then experience the entire evening. It becomes something like a relationship in deep freeze. And there are little firefights all evening because it set them off. That's a chilly way to celebrate Valentine's Day. Don't let it happen to you. It makes one difficult to live with. Children who can't find their shoes. <laughs> I like to have a dollar for every time I've either witnessed that or been in that situation. I can't find my shoe. Or maybe one shoe. Don't you wear two at a time? I don't know. <laughs> um, but harshness or anger. And the person who is impatient, who is unwilling to cut slack, that's the forbearance aspect of it, can be a very difficult person to be around. You probably have had someone in your history like that. You think, whoa, what would it be like living with that person regularly? It is a worship failure. It's an unwillingness to believe in the sovereignty of God and trust him. You may want to put a little asterisk by that one. I'm I'm slipping that in for later treatment. I mean, is God in control of things or is he not? Do you really believe that? You say, we say he just rolls off our tongues. God is sovereign. Oh, he is sovereign over everything. And am I willing to trust him then? Also, and I'm, I'm going to add a couple of things that came to mind um, before I go to this. That controlling people... And the problem of impatience. Maybe I could reverse and put it this way. A chronically impatient person may very well be a controlling type of personality. Things will be on my schedule. Things will go as I say. 
or there will be the devil to pay for it. And there is also another feature of impatience, that impatience and the problem of physical injuries. Or, put it another way, that when you incur physical, I'm thinking of, well, any physical injury, but say particularly in sports, if you incur some injury and perhaps you are enjoying the sport and you want to, let's say it's running or whatever, it can be in sport, basketball, we running, track. Um, and so impatience can create other problems. How so? You don't take the time to treat your physical injury and do it the right way. But your impatience makes you want to run, just ignore it and go on, and then you get other problems. Your physical injury gets more complicated, and then you're out for much longer than you would have been ordinarily. All right. I could add another. Let me give you one more. This has to do with impatience and when you're impatient with things. Not thinking so much about impatience with people here, but impatience with things, like fixing something that's broken. You're repairing a, I don't know, whatever it could be. You're repairing it, whether it's a washing machine or whether it's an automobile, whether it's uh, something around the house is not working right. You're, you, you're, you're into it. And you don't, it's not getting fixed. It won't work right. You get impatient, and you then begin to make decisions which are short-sighted, which are, it may perhaps I back up and say, you decide to go into fixing this problem, and you don't have the right tools because you're in a hurry to get it fixed. You don't have the right tools. You really don't have the time to do it, so you've already set yourself up for trouble there because then you get the hurry-ups. So, hey, I can tell you from personal experience, the hurry-ups with wrong tools, is a recipe for disaster. And it, and, and, and it spills out into people, too. Just let your wife show up and while you're in the midst of your uh, whatever's going on, your, your frustration. And then you say something, and you, oh, so you see where it can go. All right, let's take this third step in this area of impatience. Impatience is a spiritual disease that can be cured by the grace of God. Ah, There is hope. Thank you, Lord. I must accept responsibility for my impatience. Go ahead. Own up to it. We all have the inclination to impatience. That it is a choice I make. I choose to be impatient. I can't blame someone else. I can't blame the weather. I can't blame the environment. I can't blame my spouse, boss, teacher. Now, true, maybe you were reared in a home that was characterized by a lot of impatience. Maybe you had parents like that, a parent or both parents. And so you grew up in an atmosphere, let me tell you, (laughs) it can be quite um, uh, an an unkind environment to grow up in to have to deal with when you've got a lot of impatient people around you. And so perhaps then by your observation of example, 
uh, fractiousness, being impatient, uh, demanding something get done right away, instant gratification, it can settle in and become a marked characteristic of your way of coping with circumstances. But that still doesn't take us off the hook of responsibility. I am responsible. I'm responsible for my irritability. I'm responsible for my sinful impatience. And it can become a habit that can go unchecked. And one reason it can go unchecked is because I don't really feel like I have to answer to anybody. That's how much in the center stage of of life we can put ourselves and not have to answer to anyone. Scripture commands the believer to be patient. Let me give you examples. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Ephesians 4.2, which we read, be patient for bearing with one another love. Colossians 3.12, clothe yourselves with compassion. Kind of look at the company with, that patience keeps here. This is interesting. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has for, as the Lord forgave you. And please underscore the fact that it is one of the first, love is, when you remember, yes, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, and then Paul goes on through the list. Impatience can be overcome, um, okay, we went through that, excuse me, I got, yeah, impatience can be, number, Roman numeral, this is the fourth step. Impatience can be overcome by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Something can be done about it. It's time for our Christianity to show up. I'm shamed by something. I hope you are shamed by something. And that is what we're willing to sell our Christianity for is what I mean. We can sing. We can come to church and we can worship and we can read our Bible and we can say, I'll die for Christ. Oh, I... I'll, I'll put it all on the line for the Lord, and I love him, and I know him. But then when it comes crunch time, when it comes to the point where we meet ourselves, and there's something that's just so ingrained in us, impatience, or it can be any other thing, anger, vainglory, and it's something that we've nurtured, and we've cherished, and we've domesticated, and it's so much a part of us, we think that's our identity. And then when we're faced with it, it's that like touching me. And our Christianity is on the line. And then we want to go to someone and say, Do you know you can have forgiveness of sin and eternal life? And God's Holy Spirit comes in to do a transforming, powerful work. And we have the Word of God which instructs us and gives us the precepts by which to live. God can change you. I'm convinced of that. And then we, to our shame, We face something, and we essentially say, oh, no, he can't, to our shame. I've been there. I don't know about you, and I'm shamed by that kind of response. So let's think about it a little bit. Impatience can be overcome by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Something can be done about it. I don't want to blame it on heredity. I don't want to blame it on my parents. We We become impatient and irritable. Because we're sinners. And we have 
greater problems than irritability. What are these greater problems? Let's look at the, the way that I would present the sequence. There is man the sinner. According to Scripture, Romans 3.23, we've got a bad record. We're all sinners. All have sinned. We've got a bad master. I'm, I'm going to show you how, what deep weeds we're in here. Then we'll come out of them. <laughs> we have a bad master. John 8. And who is the bad master? The evil one. And we got a bad heart. What's wrong with it? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It's deceitful. Well, it looks like the deck is really stacked there against us, doesn't it? We got a bad record. We're all sinners. We have a bad master. We have a bad heart. Lest we think more highly of ourselves than we should. But let's consider man the saint. God does something about each of our problems at the moment of salvation. Something happens. We get a new record. That is, forgiven, regenerated. We get a new master. Colossians 1, who is the new master? The kingdom of the Son. We get a new heart. What's involved? We get new desires. We get new potential. This isn't to say that we don't have struggle and battles, but something highly significant has occurred in the moment we were regenerated. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is really going on? What, are, what is the possibility here with regard, regarding the fact that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Who is he? What can he do? Is this just a little tingle down the spine? Is it that the Spirit just kind of gives us emotional impressions and so we can live our lives by those impressions? Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 1.11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Colossians or Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience. It's the Spirit of God makes it possible. It sweetens life. I love sweet things, don't you? I don't maybe you don't have much share of that. I just love sweet. The older you get, sweet and salty really become increasingly important. A few of the this seem like the last remaining taste buds. And uh and but I'll tell you something far oh I'll tell you, oh I love honey. Just, a, just give me some, give me some cinnamon toast. Sprinkle a little cinnamon on it, and put just a little bit of honey on it. Ooh, so good. Love this. You know what's a hundred times, thousand times, million times better, and that is a life that is sweetened by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to make us loving people, joyful people, patient people. You like to live around somebody like that. They're looking out for others. They enjoy peace and getting along and asking forgiveness when necessary, repenting when necessary, and patience and willing to kind of put up with situations and go along with the joy of the Lord. Wouldn't life be wonderful living with somebody like that? <laughs> well, it is possible. So I do need help to overcome my irritability. I need help to overcome my unwillingness to stretch for others. 
my impatience. I need the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's advance on that. That, whoops, let's see if I got ahead of myself again. No, here it is. Impatience must be replaced with the sweet fruit of patience. Though we came in the back door, but now we're at the front door. That I must learn how to adjust to those things and people who irritate me. Now, how do I become a patient person? Is it possible? Yes, it's possible because who indwells us? The Holy Spirit. We're regenerated. We should have some new, a new set of impulses and desires. We want to please God. We want to live in gratitude to Him. We have the Scriptures which inform us. What an arsenal! <laughs> Let's see where we can go with this. All right. Um, what does the Bible tell us about patience? Now, I'm flipping it. What does it tell us about patience? What is patience? Uh, let's see if I put any... Uh, nope, I didn't, uh, I didn't do that. So uh, let's go back and work off this one. Patience is waiting for others. It's waiting with thoughts, words, and deeds under control. That's what patience is like. Under control. Where was I recently? Oh, I had a close call. Not that I always do well on this, but I was waiting in a, in a, and it was in a doctor's office, and I was waiting to get if there was a particular test, and I sat, and I sat. This was back in December, and it was, I, you know, I got in there before these other people. And, I, you know, if we do that, I counted. I knew. <laughs> I knew when I got there. I knew when they got there. And they were going in. And they were not only going in, they were coming out. And I'm still sitting there. And so I got this close to saying something. And just about, I'd gotten up and I'd walked across the floor and I was kind of gathering, trying to collect myself, trying to think of a nice way to be mean. And, uh, and I walked, and about the time, then the door opens, and this nurse comes through. She's all, she smiles, and she's gracious, and she apologizes profusely, and she explains what happened. Well, I just kind of melted through a little bit. I thought inside, whoa, if I had been rude and... And, I'd, uh, and I'm not saying that you can't address a grievance in the right way and such, that you just have to be passive. But, oh, I'd say, oh, Lord, thank you that I waited about two seconds longer. And then, you know, she explained. And then we had a conversation. And I, I, but I, I, was, I was thinking, would, would this conversation have been possible if the other me had showed up and such? Oh, okay. I don't know how I got on that. But... Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Patience gives others the room to grow by not trying to force them. I need to know how to stretch for the sake of others. Lord, help me to know how to stretch for other people. Patience is staying with people even though they disappoint you. You're not giving up. 
Patience accepts delays and inconveniences with trust, here it is again, in the sovereignty, wisdom, and love of God. Patience will choke out the weeds of complaint. Oh, Lord, I complain too much. Lord, help me. Enable me. Maybe I need to put the letter P on every nail. On my... <laughs> uh, don't get any ideas, J.K. <laughs> he likes to write on his hands. Uh, all right. How can I become a patient person? How can I become a patient person? I will need pressure. I'm going to need situations where I'm going to be tempted to be irritated. So you say, Lord, make me a more patient person. Get ready. You know this. This is elementary, isn't it? That uh, you're going to need irritating people and circumstances. I don't have to go looking for them. They will come. Oh, Maybe a personality trait in my spouse or a friend. (laughs) Maybe there's something they do that really tries your patience. You may not like the way your wife puts things up. Maybe she has a habit of putting things back where they belong, and you like them where they don't belong. Um, It may be that uh, you don't like the way your spouse keeps the refrigerator. Why does she put these things over here? They belong on this side. Or he uh, why does he run the heat so high? Or the, this is all a perennial problem. The thermostat. You don't like the way he or she drives. Friends. You don't like their set of friends. Maybe you don't like the children's set of friends. <laughs> um, maybe he's the kind of guy who doesn't tell you where you're going out to eat until the last minute. And some of us have learned this is not a good way to handle things, you know. Surprise, surprise. A woman likes to dress appropriately for the place she's going. You may want to go out and wearing your flannels and wearing whatever, your flip-flops, and you don't care how you look, but that's not exactly the way the wife thinks about it. Well, think about it. Um, maybe, maybe it's the husband's task to carry out the garbage, Kind of an unspoken thing, but he just does it. It can be a man thing, pick up the garbage, take it out, so on. Maybe he lets it stack up too high. And you're like, when is he ever going? Man, we had that to eat four days ago, and it's, you know, it was sardines. <laughs> and so it stacks up. He, he leaves his shoes and socks all over the bedroom floor. Or, well, the list can go on. It may be, uh, oh, let's see, well, let's skip one. It may be, it may be a circumstance. I, I left that point out, but it would go with the pressure. I could add this. It, you're in a hurry. Others aren't. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed that in traffic? That when you aren't in a hurry and you're sitting there, you're really feeling good about yourself, you've given yourself plenty of time, you're looking at all kind of crazy situations, and you're listening, you're singing a hymn, and you're quoting a verse. But just get yourself in a jam where you didn't prepare or whatever. It may have been something that was beyond your control, and you're in a hurry. Immediately, everyone is a problem in every situation, every red light. By the way, have you learned to thank? All right, you thank God for green lights. Do you do that? 
I find myself doing that. Why I go to the, I have to got errands to run, and it's so satisfying. Bang, bang, bang. Thank you, Lord. What about the red lights? Can we thank the Lord for those? Maybe you get criticized for a job. You did something. You thought you did it reasonably well. Or others try to tell you what to do. That's a tough one to handle, isn't it? You can't fix something. Slow car in front of you. Oh, this is a tough one, isn't it? In modern America, somebody's up on the cell in the cell phone, the car in front of you. And you can tell all of them when there's Oh, I have a rough time with this one. Oh, my, they're up there. They're, you can tell they get over the lane, they slow down, they think it's kind of a moving parking lot, and they're, uh, they're talking away, and it creates these are challenges. Not to excuse such boorish, terrible behavior. But anyway, I must sit in judgment on myself. I've got to work on myself. I have to work on myself every day. I don't know about you. Why am I impatient? Am I inflexible and rigid? What's wrong with me? How selfish am I after all? It's not pretty. Do I lack love? Am I really a kind person? Well, I've got to to change my thinking. I need a renewed mind. I came across this in my study on this, and this, this particular author had two lines. I didn't put them up here. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but uh, no, I, I, I didn't put them up. But if you can just get to a little middle uh, screen uh, and think. And he had two, he had two, um, uh, he's got two, I got to be in front of me, a, a stop list and a start list. I know you're thinking about Bob Newhart in the classic example of when you, you know, of counseling. What do you do when you have this problem? Da 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 da. And he says, What does he say? Stop it! <laughs> we know that growth and change and repentance and such is bigger than just stop it. However, at some point, some kind of a stop it has to come in and guide us and direct us. So anyway, he has this list of stops and this list of starts. Here's the stop. Stop thinking the worst. Start thinking the best. Stop thinking about what others can do for you. Start thinking about what you can do for others. Stop making others adjust to me. Adjust to others, if possible. Insisting that people change instantaneously. Stop it. Start Giving people time to change. Stop putting things before people. Start putting people before things. Stop condemning others for failure. Start remembering that you also have failed. And then we go to this one. I must learn to stretch myself. And forbearance. I'm going to... uh, fly over that to get to um, running out of time, just to have a few minutes. But I, I, <clears throat> I'm going to call attention to the temptation to impatience must be met with biblical resistance. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to give you just a little sampling of some things I have in front of me here. 
that, what I mean by biblical resistance, and I'm referring to classic passages like Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, where we have the responsibility of what putting to death um, the old life and living out the resurrection power of Christ. Luke 9.23, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take his cross daily and follow me. Self-renunciation. This is rigorous discipleship. So I have to engage in daily mind renewal. I want to be a more patient person. I want to overcome impatience and quit being so difficult with around people and irritable. God, help me to be a patient person. Well, memorize and meditate on relevant scripture passages. Take one of these passages or two or three that have patience in them and go over them. We all, I think, ought to memorize that 1 Corinthians 3, what is it, uh, 13 verses uh, 3 through uh, 6, 7, 8, that passage. Pray for God's enablement regularly. Lord, help me with my impatience. Please, God, give me the grace to be more patient toward so-and-so this today in this way. Um, remind yourself regularly of God's patience with you. Oh, that's a wake-up one. Thank you, Lord, how incredibly patient and forbearing you've been with me. You wake up to this as you go along in the faith and you realize, oh, I have nurtured that attitude for too long. God, how in the world did you use me, Grace? How in the world did you, well, adjust your schedule to allow for cushion time. Don't be in too big a rush. This is a very practical step that you can take. I wish I had learned this one sooner than when I'm waiting. I try to come up with some creative ways of using that time while I'm waiting rather than just sit there and stew in my juices. Think about it. Now, I know what the the solution is these days, and it's the phone. (laughs) That... uh, um, that may or may not be good, but um, maybe you could think of things you could do, something you could read, something you could do. Uh, maybe if you're waiting on the wife to get ready, she's taking a little longer, I right, go in. Maybe the dishwasher needs to be emptied. Hey, maybe it needs to be filled. Maybe there's, you know, find something. Creative use of waiting time. Um, okay, I've got some other things there, but I'm just well out of time I want to go to this conclusion and it's not uh, let's see what I put up um, all right all right okay I will make sure that I've not all right there it is excuse me I left I ran ahead of all this um, I want to maybe come back to this and never allow an unbiblical thought or feeling to remain unchallenged or have the last word we just need to be we need to be a little rough on ourselves and judge, that's what I mean by judging ourselves. Um, and remind yourself regularly of God's patience, which I've mentioned already. Adjust your schedule to allow for cushion time. Adopt the long-term perspective and importance of individuals. This is a person that I'm, 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 I'm even about to say something cruel and sarcastic. I'm about to treat rudely. Wait a minute. Think about some rudimentary issues. They're in the image of God. They're a fellow believer. And, well, go from there. 
Turn occasions for impatience into productive occasions. Persevere until a new pattern of response is established. Then persevere some more. Am I getting better at this? You know, ask yourself, Lord, help me. Thank you. Oh, I see some progress. Thank you, God. Expect to be tested and plan ahead about who you should, uh, how you should, and will react. That's, that's, that's a wise thing to do. Maybe you can anticipate some situations in which your patience is going to be tried. Maybe you know the person you're going to be dealing with. You, maybe you know the job you're going to. You know the people you're going to be working with, or you know what your weakness is. You know that this is not going to be a good thing. Maybe something breaks while you're, you know that, all right, that's broken. i got to do something about it, but i got all these other things. So it means, all right, so you know what you're stepping into. It's good to have that, develop that kind of self-control and sobriety. Take care of yourself physically. Uh, put this in because I think some of us tend to be just physically, we don't, we're, we're not in good physical condition. And we predispose ourselves to even more irritability and impatience. I really believe that. We lower the threshold by being poor stewards of the temple, the body. And when I say become involved in some fun things, that's because some of us just get so uptight, we think that, we've got so much to do. Get out of my way. And we need to take little sabbaticals, take breaks. Do you have a hobby? Just... Do you take yourself too seriously? Is this something that absolutely has to be done? So that kind of monitoring. Don't accept position responsibility, which you really don't have time or the ability to do. And let God change people. Let God be God. Fulfill your responsibilities. Let God determine what happens. How should we then be patient? All right. I want to conclude with this. And this just came up on me this morning. I'll tell you how I did. It dawned on me. I knew, of course, what I was going to be doing tonight. And I'm reading. And if we're on the same reading, Bible reading schedule, you can identify with this. I'm reading, I'm reading Numbers. <laughs> and I think it was Numbers 11 through 14, that section. And you know what I begin to notice? I said, we got a problem here. Israel has got a problem. Look at all this impatience. They wanted water when they wanted water. They wanted, um, they wanted food when they wanted food. And God wasn't showing up on time. And then they wanted meat when they wanted meat. And then we've, you know, they became totally displeased with uh, Moses and his leadership. And then to top it all off, they get up to Kadesh Barnea and they send in the spies and 10 come back, can't do it. Just can't do it. They're too big, too much of a problem. God's brought us out here. He's uh, put us in harm's way. And then on top of that, I mean, things get worse. God said, listen, I've had it with this generation. I, this is it. You've just crossed the whole red line. <laughs> when God says it, he means it. And you have just, and you're in this generation, you're going to die in the wilderness. And all those under 20, they'll be the ones to go in. And to make matters worse, they said, we'll have nothing of it. We'll go on up ahead and we'll go and fight the Canaanites. We'll do it. And they did. And they got a good whooping. Now, what is this? 
What is this but what? Serial impatience. Serial impatience. So I wish to conclude with this thought. Psalm 37 and verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. I want to submit to you that Israel's impatience with God took a heavy toll. And I will further submit to us that this is our problem. You know what our problem is with impatience? To my shame. I'm really impatient with God because what I'm doing, I'm questioning some circumstance. I don't like the way this person is, uh, is responding. They're not acting. It's, they're not responding in the way that I think they should respond. They're taking from my, away from my time, all that thing. But I will tell you four things that popped into my mind from that numbers passage. First of all, impatience with God reflects a little and flawed view of God. You see what's at stake theologically here? This isn't just some little personality quirk. Say, hey, I don't commit adultery. I'm a good person. But I can question God and make him consider him little and flawed when I live as an impatient person. Secondly, impatience with God will not stop his love and faithfulness. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> because I see God working through that situation. Here's Israel acting like just a bunch of, just a bunch of, Children with temper tantrums, one right after the other. <laughs> what does God do? He is patient with them. He, he, he provides for them. He loves them. He didn't wipe out the whole entire nation of Israel. He said, you're not going in, but I'm going to let the next generation go in. Thirdly, impatience with God leads to a hardening of the heart. Uh-oh. Hebrews 3, believers hardening the heart. And what happens? You'll fall like they fell. They fell in physical death. They didn't fall to go to hell. They fell in physical death. We can fall. We get hard hearts. What's that mean? When I am chronically impatient, it changes me. I get changed by this chronic, any chronic sinful behavior does that. It eliminates opportunities to trust God when I'm impatient. Like I'm going to have my way, and I want it, and get out of my way. If you don't let me there, you've got to pay for it. It creates the problems that come from premature action. I was speaking with someone, I have to be general here, this is on, on recorded, but I was speaking with someone recently who was in a situation who this particular person was privy to some information. It was pretty serious, um, sensitive information. I mean, we're talking possible litigation, maybe even loss of job. And this person up front was, had what they thought was the necessary information to push it forward, make the case. <clears throat> Long story short is that this individual, I think, acted in wisdom, waited patiently, you know, wanting to correct the problem, yes, but wait. Sometimes you've got to let some things play out and be careful and take things, let see what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day. And or else premature action can precipitate all kinds of unintended consequences that make for even more problems. 
So you see, when we are impatient with God, a lot of bad things happen. Why don't we just close with this and pray with me? Lord, we need help. Lord, we've all been impatient, and you know it better than we do because we think we've been patient when we haven't. So, Father, I pray, work in us tonight a new resolve to be patient, to be willing to bear with those people and circumstances for the exaltation of Christ and the living out of the gospel in our daily affairs. In Christ's name, amen.